Professor Brian Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Hi everyone, welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Jakeri. And today I have with me Priya, Dr. Priya, who will be your guest today. Hi Priya. Hi Sarah, hi everyone. Uh, yes, thank you for uh, introducing me. Um, yes, my name is Dr. Priya Rangan. I have my PhD in biology of aging and most recently, I transitioned from academia into a position that is specifically involved in scientific communications. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy to be on the podcast today to share my story and to go into more details about that journey of mine. Yeah, great. So um, tell us how you got here. How, how, where did it start, this journey into science? Yeah, so... Uh, uh, to provide a little bit more background, since, you know, this is a very audio uh, medium, yeah. based medium, <laughs> um, I am actually a daughter of Indian immigrants to the U.S., and I was born and raised in the U.S. Uh, I actually, when people ask me where I'm from, I always say California, because that's where I spent the majority of my life. Mm -hmm. And so science was a very, you know, common topic discussed in, our, discussed in my household. Um, I have uncles in uh, uh, careers in chemistry. Um, you know, my dad's an engineer. So, you know, STEM and the topics of STEM were not shied away from. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I was thinking, okay, I'll be a doctor, like, you know, most uh, children of uh, Indian uh, families normally mm -hmm. end up taking that route. Um, but my interest in research actually came about when I was towards my end of high school, starting my undergraduate uh, studies. Mm -hmm. And um, I recently learned, uh, at that time, I had learned about um, MD, PhD programs. So the idea of getting an MD education while also getting research training. Mm -hmm. And I thought that would be an interesting path to pursue because you don't really have a lot of research education, at least at that time, when pursuing um, a medical degree. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so much importance that needs to be placed on research because that's where we get our, you know, latest drugs from. That's how we advance science. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was in my undergraduate uh, program, I decided to take on cell biology as my major. I had my first research experience in a oncology lab. And, you know, as a very young student, not really knowing what the research field was like, except for, you know, what you see in movies, the person in a white lab coat mixing up, you know, different colored chemicals. Um, I didn't really know exactly what to expect beyond that. And, um, you know, that first research experience I had was... Uh, very rewarding in a very uh, educational sense. Mm -hmm. However, I also learned that the responsibilities that you have in research, um, you know, can be very demanding. So I had a boss at the time who, even though I, he, 
even though she knew I was an undergraduate, um, expected me to perform like a graduate student. Mm-hmm. And while that was an interesting challenge to take on, I knew at the time that it was just too much for me to handle so early on in my journey. Um, and so after about a year in that lab, I switched to a different lab that was studying um, nutritional-based uh, research. Mm-hmm. And I, at that time, not only was I able to experience a whole different field of research, but also realized that uh, different labs have different working styles, environments, uh, people, and personalities. Mm-hmm. And so in this particular lab, I met people that were much more laid back. Um, you know, they did really high quality work, but mm-hmm. um, the demands were, uh, you know, not as intense as the lab I was in earlier. Mm-hmm. And it was also in this time that, you know, as being very young, I was, you know, in my early 20s, I had also been experiencing some uh, personal issues. And so I uh, was struggling with depression. I was struggling with an eating disorder, um, you know, caused by a number of different factors. But um, I would say that my eating disorder um, absolutely influenced what I wanted to pursue, um, in my PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, during this time, I mentioned earlier that I was at the time interested in pursuing an MD PhD. Yeah. Um, but you know, if I'm being honest, when I had to take the MCAT, um, I bombed it. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> I, so the MCAT is the, uh, exam that, uh, students in the U S take if they want to apply for a uh, medical school in the U S. Okay. So it's like an entry exam. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if I'm being honest with your mm-hmm. listeners, I absolutely bombed that test. Mm-hmm. And I had to come to the realization if um, I wanted to, you know, focus on studying for that test and really try for this competitive program, mm-hmm. or if I would be happy with pursuing a PhD and, you know, going on that research path, yeah. which itself had its own requirements. But um, I think for me, when I looked at the pros and cons, it seemed as though, pursuing a PhD, what was required for that was a little bit more reasonable for me than kind of taking a gamble on the MD PhD route. Okay. And so towards the, towards the end of my undergraduate, I decided to pursue a PhD. And even though I was str- still struggling with my eating disorder, I would say that is what influenced me to pursue programs that focused in nutritional biochemistry or focused um, on labs that were doing research in that related field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm going to kind of a little bit provide a little bit more detail on that, um, you know, anyone who has struggled with uh, mental health issues or particularly an eating disorder, I think would be able to understand that when you're going through something like that, it's really hard to get connected back to what made you happy originally. What were your passions? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period of time that I felt really apathetic about, you know, what I wanted to do. And, you know, even though I was struggling a lot with things personally, um, the one thing that this eating disorder kind of made me focus on was food, was nutrition. And at least in a scientific point of view, at least my interest was sparked in that metabolic um, side of research. So so that led me to... Um, take on a PhD program um, in a lab that was focused on uh, nutritional biochemistry and aging. Mm -hmm. And so during my PhD, while I was um, doing that type of research, 
I, you know, luckily was able to kind of have my epiphany and recover from my eating disorder during my early years of my PhD. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time that I realized that, you know, a PhD is not just to become an expert in like a specific topic in science. It's also a really great opportunity to develop professional skills that can be transferable in all sorts of careers. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, while I was in my middle years, I was able to recruit, you know, undergraduate students to join me in my research projects and, you know, develop um, project management skills. Mm -hmm. I was able to go to a conference and have an opportunity to present my data and have uh, public speaking skills. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to develop my writing skills much further, um, especially in preparation for my first manuscript, um, you know, really take the time to really... Um, enhance my scientific writing skills. Mm. And so it, I think that those years were very critical in my development uh, professionally. Um, but I will say that once again, um, I did struggle personally towards the end of my PhD. I did have a moment where I was kind of facing that, you know, a uh, very common ex phenomena of uh, imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of students, um, you know, uh, senior PhD students end up feeling as well. Mm. Um, and once I did have my first publication accepted and published, I felt as kind of like a sense of relief. Um, and, you know, I was pretty naive to think that I had kind of gotten rid of all of my kind of personal struggles um, mm -hmm. to think that, you know, after graduation, you know, I was perfectly fine. I could go on with my life happily and healthily mm -hmm. because, um, you know, when I finished my Ph.D., I was still not sure if I wanted to pursue something in industry right away or if I was willing to continue on in academia and I think the kind of success I achieved from finishing my PhD and, you know, publishing as a first author um, kind of gave me motivation to pursue something else in academia as a postdoc. Mm -hmm. And I think my personal desire to, you know, go abroad since, you know, I am, you know, U.S. person, I was kind of longing for a new experience um, abroad. And not just professionally, but also personally and, um, you know, immersing myself in a new culture and, you know, having a new adventure, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would, I say that I was naive because I, you know, went to, the went into this thinking like it was going to be sunshine and rainbows and, you know, I had gotten rid of all my issues. Um, so I would be ready to go. Um, but little did we know as a world that something called COVID would happen yeah. and really impact everything. And for me, it impacted my next step because um, it really delayed my postdoc start. And just to kind of uh, talk a little bit about that, um, I ended up taking on a postdoctoral fellowship in Italy um, in cancer research. So something completely opposite from what I did in my PhD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, COVID basically impacted the start of that. And I actually ended up going to into uh, going to Italy um, in the middle of 2020. So right after the huge lockdowns had kind of ended, but still the pandemic was ongoing. Mm -hmm. And so when I started that position, I felt, you know, pretty confident and pretty excited about what was going to happen. And, um, you know, I was not expecting to have depression again. I was not expecting to feel imposter syndrome again. I was not expecting any of that, but it happened. Mm. You know, about three months in, um, I was starting to feel absolutely horrible about where I was. 
Um, you know, and it was really frustrating because I did come in with this motivation, this excitement, this, you know, willingness to put myself into something vulnerable, you know, this podcast talks about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was kind of just completely shut down and I really had to come to terms with the fact that I was struggling again. And I think once I was kind of accepting of that, I was able to kind of sit down with myself and realize, what exactly do I want to do? Do I have the strength and the stamina and the desire to continue on in academia, to continue and finish this postdoctoral fellowship? Mm-hmm. Or am I better off pursuing something that will give me happiness and that will give me a sense of purpose? And so, you know, even though I was struggling again, um, and even though I was really upset with, you know, COVID, like, all of us were, Mm. I think it gave me a really interesting sense of direction because that was when I realized, you know, scientific communication, that very new field that we are all kind of becoming aware of is absolutely critical in these specific times because, um, you know, I think all of us can kind of say that as scientists, how upsetting was to see misinformation be spread through, you know, medium, uh, you know, social media or even, you know, regular news um, outlets. Um, And so I think I came to the realization that, you know, scientific communications, the field that as a, as a, uh, you know, a a professionally trained scientist, that is something that I could pursue and be successful in. Mm. And so, you know, while I was struggling with my postdoctoral fellowship and, you know, figuring out what my purpose was, I was able to find a position with a uh, in a, a pharmaceutical company still in Italy mm-hmm. um, that was actually looking for somebody with my background in nutritional sciences, um, with my experience uh, as a PhD, and someone who had uh, had interest in scientific communications. And so it was almost like a miracle because mm-hmm. um, it was everything. like... Exactly. Because, um, you know, where I was in life, what I was coming with ended up matching up with what some, what, um, somebody else was looking for. And so I've been in my scientific communications position in industry for the bat for the past, uh, four months, this, uh, since the beginning of 2022. Mm-hmm. And I think when I compare it back to my time in academia, it's just like night and day. Um, you know, the work-life balance is so much more clear cut. Mm. Um, the work demands are a lot, they make more sense to what I want to do and what I'm passionate about. Um, at the same time, you know, I'm learning new things, but at the same time, I'm not feeling imposter syndrome. I feel confident in what I'm doing. I feel happy about what I'm doing. And, you know, I think this experience, and then also this experience makes me realize that even though, there are moments where we have success and happiness, mm. you know, uh, it, that doesn't mean bad things are going to happen uh, no more. It doesn't mean that we're going to not face depression or sadness or anger um, anymore. I, I think, at least from my experience, it's a matter of figuring out how to balance these emotions and know how to react to these emotions when they do come up and almost use them as a sign or a signal as to, if something is good for you or if, or if something, or if something is happening that you need to get away from. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, you know, going through the, my depression again, going through anxiety and anger, you know, the past year and a half as a postdoc made me realize, okay, I need to get out of this. I need to find something that will make me happy and will make me feel like I am 
of having a, a higher purpose and a, and a better purpose. And mm-hmm. so that I can do good work and help others and not feel, you know, so, so desperate, so to speak. Um, yeah. So I would say that's been my journey at this point. Um, but I think it's been, it's, it's had its ups and downs, but it's been, um, so enriching, I think, just looking back on all of this.